the night has come, when the night has come and the land is dark, and the moon is the only light, and the moon is the only light, and the moon is the only light, we will see. When the Greetings, everyone. Um, I am Lauren from Marnita's Table. I am not Marnita. She will not be joining us today, um, but I'm one of the co-producers of this podcast. Uh, as you all know, after the death of George Floyd, we quickly pivoted to start hosting conversations about safety in our communities. Um, today, we have two of our very special young people from the Marnita's Table team, uh, who I will let introduce themselves. Uh, Nandi, I will pass it to you and, and you can go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Nandi. I've been attending Marnita's Table events since I was nine years old. I've returned. Now I'm a part of the team. And um, can I answer the question? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Do you have one thing that makes you feel very safe in your own community and what is it? I feel safe um, eating with my community. Like we, I like National Night Out and we all roast marshmallows and stuff <laughs> um, in the community garden. Um, so yeah, I like joining over food. And Elizabeth? Hi, uh, my name is Elizabeth, and I have also been coming to Marnita's Table for quite a while. Um, and I've also joined the team for the summer as an intern. Um, and one thing that makes me feel very safe in my own community um, is just seeing neighbors out. I think similar to Nandi, like when just walking around the neighborhood, seeing neighbors, waving to neighbors, talking, water, seeing them water plants all of it so yeah back to you Laura. thank you uh, and i realized i didn't even answer the question for myself uh one of the things that's making me feel very safe in my community these days is knowledge and information there are so many things that i feel like i'm uncovering and discovering for the first time as it relates to what's been going on in my neighborhood for the last few generations and how it's led to today um, and I'll go ahead and pass it to Andrew. Yes, thank you for sharing, Lauren. I'm Andrew. I'm a co-producer here. You may have heard my voice a time or two. This is podcast number 10, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, congratulations to us, snaps all around. Um, I, I know Marnita started the last one because I missed the last podcast. And she said, is this eight? Uh, where's Andrew? I need Andrew here. And it, it was nine. So I apologize for not being there to correct her. Um, so we're on podcast number 10 here and what makes me feel safe, um, two things, communication, um, this platform is definitely one of the key pivotal things that makes me feel safe knowing that I have you guys as a support system and we're able to push this conversation out to our audience. Um, and then a thing that I've shared a time or two is sitting around food and having dinner with friends and family that always makes, um, uh, community come closer when it's just a uh, simple organized uh, event of, of dinner going out to eat or uh, welcoming people into your home. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, so with this conversation safer, we're really wanting to help people think about how can they move from reaction to proaction. Um, as we all know, all across the country, everyone reacted to the death of George Floyd and we don't want that to happen again. So what, what is it that we all can do in, in our spheres of influence um, to be proactive to prevent something like this from ever happening? Um, and it's important to think of it from, to think of this as, a, as an embodied practice. For those of you who understand intentional social interaction, um, our model of Izzy, it's it's a practice, it's what you do, it's, it's not some theory. Um, and so that's what we're really trying to weave into these conversations as much as possible. 
And SAFER um, is all about throwing off the shackles of state-sponsored violence against Black and Brown people in really a bottom-up way. Um, as we've seen through everything happening around the country, the, the community members are actually rising up and saying, this is what we need. Um, it's time for decision makers to, to listen to, to what we want and what we've been saying that we need in our communities for a long time now. Um, and, and as we reconceive what it means for us to feel safer, every single voice needs to be represented, which is why we have two of our young people on our team here with us today. Uh, so we already introduced Nandi and Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and what we are doing uh, to move forward with this conversation is combining four of our most popular events. Uh, Decision Point, which is all about reducing the number of children of color in the criminal justice system, uh, healing from trauma, which is all about tips and techniques for resilience, uh, engage, which is one of the conversations that we hold about uh, really getting involved um, civically, and then building bridges and breaking bread, which uh, we've talked about before on this show with Andrea Jenkins and, and her team um, bringing together the community members on both sides of the 35W highway. Um, and so just so you all know, uh, this is open to the public. This is our, our podcast recording and we are live on Facebook right now. And I'm just gonna toss this into the cycle here. Um, I will go ahead and pass it to Nandi again. Um, and you can choose a question and answer it and then pass it to anyone that you would like. I really liked that you said that information and knowledge is making you feel safer. Um, that's been consistent for me in my life, just feeling like the more I can be informed or understand something or a concept, the more I feel in control in taking on such a, a task or a new world. Sorry if you guys can hear that. I don't getting a lot of texts back. But anyway, <clears throat> um, in that vein, I'm very, very excited that I've learned two new things today that I feel has made me safer or just will kind of um, contribute to my goals of um, helping heal my community. Um, you know, I have been trying to do yoga and I had the opportunity to learn how to play a singing bowl. So that was beautiful. I did that this morning. <laughs> and then I learned about beekeeping, um, which is something that I'm hoping to do to strengthen my community in the future, as far as growing produce and um, tea and other things like that. Um, and just having honey to spread to my community among other vegetables and things like that. Um, as you can see, food is very important for me. <laughs> and I mean, not only is it like a vital life source, but I just genuinely believe in that aspect of um, intentional social interaction and um, just disarming people with, with their gustatory system. <laughs> and, um, you know, sharing that experience of trying new foods or, you know, sharing comfort foods across culture and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just feel like not enough of us know about ecology and um, how the food we eat grows or doesn't grow, you know. Um, something that's interesting for me right now is realizing that Oreos and bacon bits, <laughs> two very random food items, but they are so processed that they're vegan. They have no animal byproduct in them. <laughs> they're just completely hydrogenase, whatever the whatever. And so I, you know, I've just been at least trying to shift myself and my family away from processed foods like that. Um, I feel like that knowledge and how we can heal ourselves and think more consciously about our health is all aligned with safety. Um, you know, because Black people in general are just not expected to live much past 50, you know, given just our diet and sedentary lifestyle. So I'm wanting to arm my community with more knowledge and information about how they can 
um, have more well life habits. And I'm gonna pass it to Andrew now because Lauren's on top of me on the screen and I'm on top of Andrew. <laughs> Andy. Um, no, I think you're spot on with that. Being super conscious with um, your health and well-being goes a long way. And that's something that I think um, in the last 10 years has become very relevant and people are being, or there's a lot more information about it. And uh, that's an easy way to um, begin the process of personally making yourself uh, in a safer community and then welcoming other people and bringing people along. It goes along kind of with what I mentioned right in the get-go of, you know, food and how just that simple aspect of sitting around dinner table or talking about food creates that community because it's kind of a low barrier, not a lot of tension type topic. Uh, so I think you're spot on with that, Nandi. Um, one thing that um, also has made me feel safer with the information aspect that you mentioned, Lauren, is having a couple people on uh, the Back Pocket podcast. Um, one in particular, Mazid Oluwewu, who is a 19 year old, um, no, he's 18 years old, and he's transferring to the University of Michigan to play Division One basketball. And he is a YouTuber and a musician um, and digital marketing guru. And uh, he has transfer transferred his platform from um, the basketball, and uh, he used like video games as his kind of main outlet to push content. And Recently, he's been capturing, because uh, he's a Chicago native, he's been capturing the protests happening around Chicago, and he's partnered with a local film director, Kai, um, and they've been pushing out um, really informational and organic conversations that they're having with um, people participating in the protests and people leading the protest. One in particular, um, right after George Floyd was murdered in downtown Chicago, I highly recommend going to his YouTube page. I can um, put it in the show notes. Uh, and he was simply going around the, uh, the, the city blocks of Chicago and asking what your thoughts and feelings are currently and got a wide variety of people um, to communicate. And I thought like that aspect of using his platform and putting content out in that manner is tremendous. And he's 19 years old and really cares about making a difference. And it, it takes a lot of courage to um, use your platform when you have followers that are, are expecting you to, you know, put out um, basketball type things and video game type things. When you transfer that over and um, speaking for social injustices, you know, you could be, you, you open yourself up for backlash, but he was very confident in his action and um, did it in the most organic and authentic way. And I was super excited when um, one of my cousins recommended me having him on the show. So Mazid Aluelu, you're doing awesome work, and I just want to give him a shout out. And I'll pass it to Elizabeth. Thanks, Andrew. Um, yeah, that's really amazing. Um, it amazes me too, because I'm, I'm 18, and he must be maybe one year older than me if he's already in college. Um, and that's really cool to see young people using their platforms in like a really conscientious way. Um, yeah, I would just echo what Nandi said too about like community gardening and like giving out um, like herbs or honey. Um, I was just walking my, in my neighborhood yesterday actually and I walked past um, these uh, above ground pots that were like herb gardens and it was like parsley and mint and like oregano and all this stuff and I thought that that was just like a really cool idea of how to, um, you know, make people I don't know, think like in terms of like cooking food at home, which generally is like healthier and also just making it feel more like a community where people care about each other. So um, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, can I pass it back to Lauren? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, it seems like a lot of us are, are answering the question, do you have a role in making your community safe? Uh, and so last weekend, um, a, a close friend who is a nanny and teaches the children that she works with about different cultural history um, was asked by some of the, the other parents in her network because she was doing such a good job to teach them and, and show them how they can teach their children. 
So she asked me if I would help her with it. So even though I was very nervous, I was like, okay, I'll help you teach African-American history. Let's do this. Uh, so we're doing a series and we started last week uh, just in the park. We just went to Minnehaha Park and, and uh, set up a board. And we were prepping for our very first class when a man walks up to us and I think he'd seen what was on our board and it was just facts. Uh, and he asked us what we were doing. So we, we ended up telling him and he said, well, are you two mothers? We were like, no, you know, we're, we're not mothers. Um, he's like, well, well, do you plan on being mothers? And we both looked at each other and we were like, um, not really, you know, it depends on where our lives go. We're, we're not too sure. Um, and then he proceeds to say, well, do you think that you should be teaching this class then to them? And so you have to understand my friend, she's an early childhood education professional. She chooses to nanny, but she could be a teacher. Um, this is what she's done her entire career. Uh, and she was asked by these people in her community to do this. And so neither one of us knew how to respond and for about 15 minutes, we kind of fielded his questions. And then at some point I said, you know, um, I think we're, we're getting a little bit triggered right now. And, and we, will, we only have a little bit of time to prepare for our call uh, or for our, our training session today. And so like, could you please just give us some space? Um, and he tells us that we're hostile and that now he doesn't feel like he can come up to people like us. And yes, he said people like us in context. Yes, this is a white man. Um, and I'm even like shaking, even recalling this story because I haven't really told it. Uh, and so it just, it was just kind of shocking because it just goes to show like even when we are doing something for our community for free um, because other allies like asked us to do this, we're still met with uh, resistance. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think before that day, I would say, oh, my role is educating people. My role is teaching people. But now I think one of my biggest roles is um, learning how to set boundaries and learning how to how to protect myself as a woman of color, um, especially in a public place where that could have easily and quickly uh, become a worse situation. And then I'm a black woman and it's my word against this man who is, is visiting from the suburbs and the park. Um, so yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about my role and how to how to do the work that I think needs to be done, but how to also protect myself while doing so. so yeah, uh, and I will pass it to Andrew. Yes, thanks. I actually have a question for and for all three of you. Um, as someone who's recently uh, been a part of Marnita's table um, about six months now and to Nandi and maybe Lauren um, and Elizabeth, I'm not sure how long you've been a part of Marnita's table. You mentioned that you, ha you have a, um, grown up in and around the table. Um, how have you felt like growing up with Marnita's table and then having you know these awesome environments that are open and have, able to have these conversations and then adjusting to when you um, step out of these environments? Uh, I'm just curious from your guys' perspective how that's been. One more time. Um, so I'm just curious from you growing up in Marni with Marnita and her table, how has that been? And then how, how do you feel when you're able to sit in these environments and um, the people are welcoming and for the most part, they feel safe and then you, you, you step outside of the environment and it's not, it's not as safe as when you um, are part of Marnita's table. Well, I'll say this. don't always feel safe at the table um, because <laughs> int intentional social interaction feels 
good, but for some it's a push in a direction that they've never thought of going. So I wouldn't even say that I've had this like illusion of safety at the table. I think the table has taught me how to show up and converse about topics that might be uncomfortable and learning to probe and ask questions in a way that isn't assuming, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it's almost, almost inverse where in the world, you typically aren't given an opportunity to sit with people who've just eaten and are feeling a little, you know, good to have a very thought provoking conversation. You know, the world is generally pretty shallow. You have very passerby interactions. Um, so yeah, I think part of what the table does is bring you to a place of comfort so that you can be raw and available to something that's going to put you in a place of discomfort, you know, consciously. And um, I think having had that experience so frequently in my adolescence has shown me that those, that dichotomy can, can you know, create a warmth that is moving if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's always, I think the table has in many ways given me a clearer sense of the world because it's so intentionally diversified. Whereas a lot of spaces are going to have bias in the way that they've done their outreach. And so the rooms aren't going to be as well-intentioned and diversified and, you know, people aren't going to be thinking and prepared to have conversations that go beyond the, so what do you do? You know, that's typically how that goes in a social setting. They see your name tag, they look for a title, try to gauge where you live, orient you based on that title and what kind of work you might do. And then it kind of tapers off. Whereas the table is like, so what do you think about inequity? And then you're halfway through 30 minutes of conversation and you're like, let me get your information. I haven't even asked you your name, you know? So it's kind of like the opposite in that way. And um, I just remember feeling more empowered from having had to speak to people at 10, you know? Like these very big people that I've never would have interacted with otherwise you know, feeling invested in shaking my hand and wanting to know my name and figure out what I'm interested in and if I'm comfortable in that space, um, which is, you know, kind of warm and fluffy, unlike the world, but in some ways it was like, oh God. <laughs> and other people are like, oh my God, we're talking about the race thing. <laughs> and so, um, it's shown me ways that I can navigate that conversation in a way that's still very assertive and confrontational while also being motivated by love and understanding. I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but you, you, I was working with her brother when she was pretty young. So <laughs> I'm sure you have memory of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, um, I would say, like, one thing that, like, I've noticed, or I noticed about the table, too, like, especially when I started, like, interning, that just, like, really stood out to me, which isn't a newsflash to any of you guys, but, um, was, like, the idea of not just, like, everyone's welcome, like, you're all welcome here, but, like, this space was intentionally created with you in mind, and as someone who like I mean like I've been in a lots of like everyone's welcome here spaces like I feel like that's pretty common like or like in a school setting it's like everyone's welcome here like we're not gonna discriminate um 
but it's just a different it's totally different than like we have like done the work to make you feel comfortable we have done the work to like make you um feel like you can perform at your best um or contribute um and so i think that's i don't know that's definitely like a difference between like school i just graduated from high school so school and um Marnita's table and like even at in high school like we would have try to have conversations about um race or about current events in america um and it was just always really really difficult um because um first of all like it was a predominantly white institution very much so and so the onus was always on the you know people of color and particularly um black students to kind of like explain race in america which like obviously wasn't their job and like sometimes and unfortunately sometimes they would be doing a better job than our teachers who apparently have master's degrees which is like also disturbing um and so again it was that whole thing of like oh it's okay everyone's welcome here versus okay like we have teachers who like are trained in like you know helping every student succeed at or perform at the level that um like that is their best or ha actually know American history that's not that wasn't the American history taught you know decades ago um but is kind of more the American history that we're coming face to face with today um that's always been there but not always acknowledged um or understood so um so I think that's that's a big difference between Marnita's table and um, some of the other spaces I've been in. And I think it's definitely a difference in which other spaces like, you know, I'm going to college and I kind of doubt that they're gonna have, they're probably gonna have a similar framework or frame of reference as my high school um, where it's like, it's okay, everyone's welcome here. But um, so I think that's definitely a lesson that I've taken away um, that, it's it's just not enough to say everyone's welcome here or lauren like has this great um analogy of um like you invite someone who's in a wheelchair to your house but there are steps in front of your house and you say it's okay everyone's welcome here um but you know like it's obviously first of all more intimidating and literally like impossible for this person to get up those steps without a lot of help or so, um, so yeah, that's, that's a lesson I've had. Any? I think both of those answers, I mean, you guys took my question and um, I naively asked it um, incorrectly and you guys answered it beautifully. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and that's why I, I mean, that's what happens at the table, Andrew. <laughs> Constantly. And I just found myself doing the same thing yesterday during a work meeting. And I was like, oh, shoot. Totally brought up a whole new, you know. <laughs> yes. It's always like that. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate your question. Got me to think. Like, continuing to learn about Marnita's table, the, the, the science behind it, and then the way people uh, feel and while they're in it and then how they feel after it, it's, it's really is beautiful. And that's, I'm super excited that I am able to have this role here. Um, and Lauren, I'd like to ask you the same question. How has it been like working in this situation? Yeah, that's so funny. Cause as, as they were talking, I was thinking about it from a 13 year old, a nine year old lens attending something like this for the first time. Well, I was 19, so I wasn't an adult really. Um, I hadn't really been in work environments that were not diverse at all, as many adults in Minnesota find themselves in. Um, but I also didn't come to the table as a, as a child. So it wasn't just how I conversed. It, you know, it wasn't a part of my, um, my uh toolkit, I guess, when I was having conversations with people who were different. And it's funny that you said that, Nandi, that usually you don't have an opportunity to, to go in deep with people. But for some reason, growing up, I actually, I actually feel like I, I, I did have that happen. And, I, and maybe it was because I was 
for those of you, I, I grew up on a red line. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense um, that I would, like, I remember going to a family's house and this is, God, I, I was in the sixth grade and they asked me, why are you different from all the other black kids? Um, this is the parents at dinner at their house over spaghetti and meatballs. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> because that's something that kind of stops a 12 year old in their tracks. Um, and so I wish I would have had <laughs> the opportunity to go to the table when I was younger. Cause I think I found myself in so many situations where I was just unprepared to take those questions and to answer them. Um, and so I think when I came to the table, being a freshman, in college, we were already having these conversations, kind of like what you talked about, Elizabeth, you are anticipating having those conversations. Well, I was having those conversations at the exact time that I came to the table. Um, and I think it really, it, it really did help me. Like it prepared me um, to do what I inevitably, as I could see from last week, I'm going to probably have to do for the rest of my life, as long as I'm living in, in, in a diverse um, environment um, and I think working at the table in some ways, because we are a part of intentionally creating that space, um, it's a little bit different from being a guest or being an attendee. And so it's, it's always a very refreshing to hear what it's like from the other side. And so often I think we have adults come and tell us, adults of color say, wow, this I, I haven't been in a, a diverse space in such a long time. Like this is so refreshing. And so what Nandi said, um, I think really hit me because that was your norm, right? Like that you were so young when you came um, that it was just a part of, it, it wasn't perceived as safety for you because it was just a part of your normal. Whereas these are people who have been in the workforce for five, 10, 15, 20 years or lived in Minnesota, you know, um, as an adult. And, and it is a, a place of refuge for them because they have to navigate these spaces that aren't diverse at all um, every single day. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm loving your question, Angie. Thank you so much for asking it because we all three have very different um, answers. And I think that goes to show just how how the space is created, like it's it's created for all three of us to have completely different experiences that are catered to us and essentially what we needed from the experience, if that makes sense. So thank you. Mm -hmm. And I think about all this all the time now that like Lauren and I work together, she and I went to church together at the same time I was going to table events on Saturdays, you know, and I had no idea how long she had been working for the table while I was, you know, in school and doing all these other things. And I come home from Atlanta and I'm like, oh, Lauren, you work here now? <laughs> you know, and it was just like, it, it brings me back to this idea of like how we were, we were brought up in the same community and we've gravitated towards similar things and circled back to Marnita's table. And I don't know, we're now just like building safety and we're building this next generation that's going to think differently about how we, you know, involve ourselves with one another. And I don't know, it's just very odd to think about how we've all just kind of, I don't know, having known Lauren in, in such a separate context and then coming back to, her, to working with her at the table is so crazy because you know going to our church we you know like I said it was very much like we we go to church you have a pretty general interaction and they say they're praying for you and and then you part ways but like the nights before that on Saturdays I had just you know come from these very lively events where you know Marnita has her gong and <laughs> there's music and all different types of foods um so it is I think when Lauren and I and probably Elizabeth too present in the world 
we show up as individuals that are kind of odd to people like why are you so willing to talk about things you know and like why are you so open to all these different perspectives and um how are you so good with gab you know what i'm saying i think that was something that you can see in a lot of the other like aswar for example is another person on our team just a great orator in addition to just being good at his actual job you know he's just been formed into a leader in the person that he is today partly because of his experience at the table and then the things that he was inspired to do or pursue you know outside of the table being strengthened by that experience so I think that's very true for my life um and I can say from the outside looking in it seems to be the case for him <laughs> yeah yeah, and from working at the table, I think I've seen that happen often where people who kind of sort of knew each other from another context are able to dive deeper and explore a, a relationship a little bit more than, than they were potentially able to in another environment, um, especially with Minnesota being so small, really. It's a small town and, and a big city kind of at the same time, um, the Twin Cities. And so it's common that, that people have heard of each other or, or know of each other, but it provides a space to, to go there <laughs> and to really, really get to know that person. Like Nandi said, we met in a, a conservative environment where having these conversations wasn't always the safest to do. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I've seen that happen. It's not just us, I've seen it happen countless times, so. But I'm going to pass it to Elizabeth. Is there a question that you'd like to answer? I don't know, not at the moment. If someone else has, has something ready to go. I'd actually like to ask you a question, Elizabeth, and feel free to answer it. Um, with you going to school here in the fall, going to, to, to college, um, is there something that um, you're excited about um, to, to utilize what you've learned through Marnita's Table, um, going into school, going into a new environment and having kind of a preconceived notion that it might be similar to um, like the reserved, um, predictable high school approach with dealing with racism and, and social injustices? Yeah, um, I think, I guess like, it's just gonna be tougher in the fall, like, cause of Zoom and everything, which is, ju it's just like a different way of meeting people, but we'll see. But I think generally speaking, um, I feel like just like having lots of, like having had the summer experience, especially like with like being really involved with my Manita's table, um, like has definitely allowed me to like talk to just like lots of different like people like, um, both like you know people who are interested in the table and like the team and like people who are invited to events and so like that's just all been really interesting um and hearing lots of different people's perspective on safety and health um and their communities and what they want to see in their communities um and so i feel like it's definitely like helped prepare me to like go into like a wider world where there are probably going to be lots of people like across difference. Um, I feel like in college, like I definitely like, I feel like this is just such a like amazing model, intentional social interaction. Um, and I feel like it'd be really cool to like bring it to college. I don't know how that would work with like, you know, COVID and stuff. So maybe it wouldn't be first, first semester, but um, I feel like it would just be like really, really cool. Um, I know also, especially for the school that I'm going to, um, I'm going to the University of Virginia and they have like lots of like deep rooted kind of issues <laughs> like around difference, especially around race um, because, um, you know, it was like Mr. Jefferson's university, like it was built by slaves um, and like even like, like I've been following them on Instagram and stuff now and like even you know in the last couple months like they unveiled like this new athletics logo like which it turned out had references to um 
uh, these walls on campus that were actually used to um, hide slaves that were working from view of like the white students who were attending university and like there were references to these walls because like contemporarily they're kind of like cool and like unique looking but um, you know the true history is that they're actually um, you know there were some really negative reasons behind building those walls um, and they're still standing and so um, like it just seems like there's a lot um, and of course I think any institution will have like these deep-seated issues um, any American uh, institution um, but uh, it definitely seems like there's a lot to kind of like um, you know dig into and like discuss and um, it's also a totally different part of the country for me it's in you know in the south it's on the east coast um, so I think that I'll definitely you know try to bring what I've learned there um, when I go in the fall yeah I'm I'm curious too for Lauren and Nandi like if you found in college like any skills that you like learned at the table were particularly useful or how you were able to use that or approach that? I think it's mostly the conversation. Um, having tools to engage and just, and it's more than the tools having the experience um, because you will find yourself in class with um, people who have never spent time with a person of color um, and they just think they're so right when it comes to whatever they're debating. And, it, and I think having the experience made me feel very comfortable speaking up in class. And like Nandi said, you, you seem, you're kind of the weird one out and people after class are like, why are, why are you okay with with, with, you know, going toe to toe and, you know, why, how do you feel comfortable doing this, you know, as a freshman? And I, I think that having that, that experience will definitely serve you well. Um, one of the things you made me think about um, was how just the other day, um, a good friend said that her mom was looking at the deed on her house and it still says, uh, that you can't sell it to like a black person and like it still says that it just wasn't it wasn't ever removed um and so it, yeah it's interesting I, i'm reading about what's going on at the university of minnesota right now which is where i went um in the buildings that people are still trying to be changed right like any institution any neighborhood anywhere you go in this country uh there's going to be there's going to be some type of discovery that that you will make about how it's it's rooted in racism and white supremacy and so I think it's interesting and it's awesome that you're already finding that out before you go to your school because I think for me that was a wake-up call I I didn't know that before I got to school yeah my experience was unique in that I started at a historically black college and then transferred to a state institution and I'll say the best thing that I gained or I guess my favorite maybe not the best but my favorite is just that I'm not afraid to connect with people across generation I have friends who are well over 60 <laughs> and more importantly <clears throat> I don't have a problem approaching my professors to have conversations I find that a lot of young people feel this like sense of I don't know nervousness when approaching an adult you know and <laughs> now you're an adult and so there's this awkward phase of like how do I talk to my professor? And I find that we all have this way of not talking to our professor until we're in like absolute need, but it's always worked in my favor to just connect and communicate with my educators because um, after all, they're imparting knowledge upon me. So 
I'm interested to know about who they are as people. And, and, you know, we forget like, this is someone that you're going to spend an hour of three days out of the week staring at trying to teach you things. <laughs> so like, why not connect with them as a person? They might, you know, have more information to provide you. And, um, you know, I just always find that those conversations are vital to like what you do beyond the classroom. And what you do beyond the classroom is what becomes your life ultimately. And so you like college is this time where you start to transition as an adult that's like, oh, like <laughs> now there's life to be lived <laughs> outside of me, you know, sitting at a desk. Um, and so that, that just general sense of constantly seeking, not just information, but seeking to understand other perspectives from people, including your peers, as well as your professors and you know um the staff on campus that you know you don't necessarily have to interact with them but if you see them often or if you see them at all there's humans that are operating and keeping the buildings and all those things going <laughs> why not converse with them they're part of your community and so I think I was kind of weird in that sense too where I was like wanting to seek understanding from people beyond the campus and like on the campus where, you know, a lot of girls are just like, I go, I use the facility and I'm leaving, but like, why not know the mailman? If he knows you, then, you know, you're better connected to all those Amazon packages that you're going to get, or like, you know, um, knowing the ladies in, in the cafeteria, you know, they make your food they're human people, you know, like, I think we get this sense of entitlement being students and distance ourselves from the community that we are physically a part of and forcing our way into. Whereas there are people who have been there for years beyond you and will continue to be there for years beyond your four year experience. And your presence is impacting them and their presence or lack thereof would impact you. So um, just thinking of your college and the community beyond your campus. Um, that was really important to me going to school. And again, it wasn't always fun. It was kind of isolating because, you know, nobody wants to really think about things that are beyond the scope of them getting decent grades <laughs> and having a good time. But um, you might find, I found that I had a better time when I actually felt connected with the community, um, just because there were more people to look out for me and impart wisdom on me and, and um, you know, tell me what fun things are happening around. Um, but yeah, and then in contrast to going from that HBCU experience to a state school, it was the same thing where it's like, now this is a broader thing. And um, it's not just Black people here. How are the Black people intermingling with the other institutions and other people that are around and other sororities and fraternities? And, um, you know, why aren't we intermingling? I guess in my case, um, it seemed like my school, I went to Georgia State, and it seemed very like Black in certain ways. And then very segregated in like Latino, white, and other populations that kind of just did their own thing with each other. Um, so I don't know, I was one of those people that was like, why? What do we, how do we connect across difference? And Georgia State is known for educating people across the age spectrum because we have, you know, that ability for people to go back as seniors for free and then um, you know, we're known for a non-traditional student campus. So you might have biology class with a woman who's got five kids and a whole other career going. <laughs> and it's like, what? You know what I'm saying? So it was very interesting to meet people like that. And, you know, we're, we're sharing answers and helping each other study and stuff like that. And it's like, you have this whole other life you're living and you have all these amazing things to show me and teach me beyond biology concepts and like you might find that with your peers and things um so that was something that I really took away or took into college with me 
um, from Juanita's table. I, I absolutely love that, Nandi, and that's why I started the podcast that I did was to have those conversations with professors and faculty members that I wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to take their class because it didn't fit in the curriculum or just to even get to know like have the ability to sit down with the president of my university because I have a platform that she wants to uh, you know enhance. Uh, so Elizabeth if you feel comfortable I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to suggest always start a podcast because it creates a space where people want to contribute they get excited to share about themselves because for the most part, people tend to um, feel like they're being verbose or cocky when they talk about themselves. But when you create a space for them to share um, their personal experiences with being at the university and even just like their deepest passions and what they care about, um, podcasting is not just for the listeners, but it's really for the people that are sitting in that little environment. I always say I'm, I'm able to win the most because I have the chance to um, be curious and ask the question um, and understand how another person's feeling at that current time, at that current state in life. Um, so the perfect opportunity, start a podcast. <laughs> I'll produce it for you. <laughs> Good to know. That's, that's a really interesting read too, that it's not just for the listeners, but just to like just to chat and to intentionally make a space so that's very cool yeah and i was just gonna say i if you did want to start a chapter um my one of my first jobs when i came to work for marnita's table was helping uh the table at saint olaf and like training their members in and helping them with their first table uh, so if you are interested in starting a chapter next year, just let me know. <laughs> I will. And, I absolutely will. And we can hold dizzies instead of izzies. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that'll be able, you'll be able to submit that your podcast episodes and chapters and stuff like that for a lot of school projects. <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. Double duty yeah you know i i'm thinking about just everything that we're talking about um do you know what you need to feel safe in your community and it's funny because i i think at every new stage in life kind of like i talked about when i first opened up you know i'm, I'm still learning what my role is every new stage it's something different um at every new stage I, I feel like I need something different to feel safe. Um, for a long time, it wasn't knowledge. It was just having adults in my life that I could rely on in my neighborhood um, when, I, when and if I were to get in trouble in some type of way. Um, yeah, it, it's been really nice to hear from people who are kind of at a different stage than me um, in their life. So thank you. And Andrew, I'm curious for you because you moved here from somewhere else, correct? So when you first came to Minnesota, you didn't start your podcast for a couple of years, right? Like that wasn't, that wasn't the first thing that you did when you got to Minnesota. So what, what was that experience like um, adjusting, I guess, culturally um for you yep uh i'm originally from suburbs of chicago and i didn't know anyone coming up i just came up to play football at the university of st thomas and um i started the back pocket year three so i was a junior and at first it was super uncomfortable because i was putting this content out and i um, was hesitant to have a space where people can hold me accountable um, because I'm saying things and now it's recorded and it's out there. Will employers, will I say something wrong? Will employers hold me accountable and not hire me because of this? Because I'm looking for jobs at that time. And as I moved through it, I realized like the more conversations that I was having, I was able to, you know, truly share who I am. And any person that was reluctant to see that probably wouldn't have been a great fit. Um, so I started moving away from having that fear base of, of not showing my true self to, with reservations 
to uh, eventually like overly saying who I am because I was like, I want everyone to truly know who I am. And that is how I'll create a better connection. And, and the people that veer away from that, they weren't, it wasn't meant to be. And I'm, I'm never doing it in a way to negatively um, put out anything, but sometimes, you know, you say something that when you do 270 episodes, there's bound to be something to, to, to spark a little controversy. Um, so, but the aspect of just sitting down and having these conversations um, is, is, is crazy rewarding. I've never been more um, energized than after doing a podcast recording and sitting down and listening to someone for an hour and a half and just being curious in their story and then having them share what they feel confident and comfortable with and uh, go in depth on it. Because today's day and age technology or some type of wall gets put up to actually dig deep into an individual when you're sitting around a living room or you're out to dinner, something like that. Uh, usually someone become, someone doesn't want to share exactly or someone's not as locked in as, uh, as you'd want them to be. So these podcasts, uh, are are the most rewarding thing that I've been able to do to date um and as funny as it sounds it's just a podcast it's just a conversation I'm not doing anything extraordinary I'm not doing anything different than anyone else um but the habitual action of it and the habitual intention of being curious um has helped me grow and and and, and just feel more confident in myself so thanks for asking said, <laughs> yeah and, and I love that you said being curious um, because we always say, uh, instead of cross-cultural competency, it's more cross-cultural humility and curiosity, right? Like you can never be confident in someone else's experience. That's just not real. Um, but you can always be curious. You can always be humble and know that you don't know everything and that this is, this is a journey. Uh, so I, I loved when you said that. And I see that we're coming to the end of our time here. And so I just wanted to open it up to, to all of you and, and ask, if, is there anything else that you, you're dying to say that you want to share with the people? Reach out and ask a question. Yeah, I want to second what Andrew said. Sometimes people feel boastful and self-centered talking about themselves but you'd be surprised what flow of information can fall on you when you just ask a genuine question to someone um lately i've been practicing asking people what's on your mind rather than hi how are you we are so accustomed to that flow of the phrase that we just kind of say good you know <laughs> you know like that's the first thing you practice when you're learning a new language come on stars yeah and then that's it. But um, I've been practicing asking what's on your mind. And it kind of takes people aback when I say it and they say the first thing that's on their mind and then we just go from there. <laughs> um, so yeah, reach out and ask any question and be open to what might come of that. <laughs> Because that's how I ended up doing the beekeeping today. <laughs> um, yeah, I just asked the question. They offered to show me around. Perfect way to end. Thank you, Nandi. Um, well, thank you everyone for joining us today. Uh, you can find this episode next Thursday morning at 10. Um, and we will be back next week for our 11th episode. Wow, that happened so quickly. Thank you, Andrew, for all of your amazing uh, production skills. And we will see you next week. Bye, everyone. One for all. One for all. It's all, it's all for one. Let's start a union. It's drastic time for sure. We need an antidote and a cure. Cause do you really think Muhammad got a problem with Jehovah? We don't want 
Imagine if every prophet was alive And current days amongst you and I You think they would view life like you and I do Or where they sit and contemplate on why Do we live this way, act and behave this way We still live in primitive today Cause a piece of the destination in war can't be the way There's no way, so people just be a woman, be a man Realize that you can change the world by changing yourself And understand that we all just the same So when I count to three, let's change Oh, 